So I have this new message that I'm doing um, this morning. I have to come up with new exciting titles because uh, we can do all these pictures. So it's no fun just writing simple words and stuff. So, But uh, I'll tell you what, we as Christians often sell ourselves short. I've come to the conclusion that as Christians, we are to live in the promised land. We are to live, in another way of putting it, your maximum potential in God. Constantly moving in God and constantly growing, but living at a maximum potential of all that God has for you. But I think in all honesty, if I'm, if I'm completely honest, there's probably about 5 to 10% of us, um, or 5 to 10 five to ten percent of the body of Christ that actually live in that potential. And and most actually spend most of their time in what's called the wilderness or desert periods. And we haven't quite learned to cross into a promised land or even accept the promised land. If you don't know quite what I'm talking about, when the children of Israel left Egypt, God had promised Abraham over four hundred and forty years before the Israelites left Egypt that he was going to give um, his people that land. And when they left Egypt, there were obstacles for them to get through in order before they could actually take the land. And you can read all about that in, in, in Exodus and uh, Leviticus and Numbers uh, and Deuteronomy as well. But it's a story about God taking people through a journey in order to get them to the promised land. And even when they went into the promised land, they then had to fight for the promised land. Because God has this habit of not only presenting you with the greatest opportunity before you, but something that you actually has to take. God fights with you, but he does just give it to you so you just go, oh, thanks, and become ungrateful for it. People know the Lord. They've given their hearts to the Lord. But we spend a lot of time in the wilderness. And I believe God has called us to thrive. And we need to understand the principles of the scriptures in order to thrive. And we need to apply them to our lives so we can actually get to the promised land. Now when I write a message, I spend time praying and asking God for the right things to say. What do you want to say to your people? And try and remove as much as me as possible. I want you to understand the principles of, of the Word and what I've learned from the Word as much as possible and try and give you as much as a head start so you don't actually have to go through all the things that I went through in order to understand that thing. And I want you to walk in the fullness that God has for you in your lives and to live in your maximum potential, everything that God has for you. But the truth is that I can't make anyone live to their fullness. You can come to our place and I can offer you one tea and coffee or a cold drink. But it's up to you whether or not you actually want one. I can offer you the nicest chocolate cake that you've ever tasted. But it's up to you whether or not you want some. At the moment, my wife is not eating anything like that. So it's a bit peculiar. <laughs> our food at our house is different. You go into a pantry and it's like, what is that? Anyway. And I can't make anyone do anything. Just like no one can make me do anything unless I choose to. And we cannot 
cannot, listen to this, we cannot get to our maximum potential in God armed with only the knowledge that we have. Because if you could, you would already have it. We need to expound our minds and understand more of the Word of God in order to actually enter all the things that God has for us. I'm trying to equip us or give us, point us in the right direction that God can move and do whatever He needs to undo and give us the right understanding of who our God is. What Jesus has done for us and understand what the Holy Spirit is doing with you. I'm trying to encourage us. I say us because every time I preach, I'm preaching to myself as well. I'm trying to encourage myself as well as you. I'm trying to encourage anyone who wants to receive it. I don't ever write for individuals. Meaning that I don't write when I'm writing, well, type. You ever see me type? It's quite interesting, but anyway. I don't write or type thinking about a personal individual saying, oh, this person needs to hear this. I zone out. I play some music. I get frustrated when people walk in and I'm... In a, especially when I'm in the zone. I preach to a corporate body, a group. And I believe that what is being said is always working in us. I've had people come up and say, um, who told you that about me? And I'm like, no one. It was just simply God. And I believe in the purposes that God has for you. I don't know exactly what God wants to do with you. I'm still figuring that out for myself. But I do know, I do know that God has something for you. You are born for great things. And those things are through Christ. And we cannot get there armed with only what we have. We need more of who he is. If you didn't know, this is a candle. I'm not really a candle person. There are candle people. I've been to parties where they've requested candles. And I'm like, what? <laughs> okay. And if that's your thing, great. But I'm not a candle person. Okay, We do have candles. They very rarely get lit. In fact, my wife actually wanted the container from a candle. So we burnt the candle to get the container. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but whatever, right? It's just It's a candle. But candles have existed for centuries. They date back to something like 200 BC in early, early China. And in early China, they used to make candles from whale fat. Nothing like a bit of whale fat candle. Right? But today, you can buy candles in all shapes, sizes, colors, fragrances. Right? They now design candles to be shaped have you ever seen a person shape a candle? It's quite interesting, right? Most of the days they're made from a, a simple concept of a wax. But now they get into fancy candles where they make wax from all different things. Probably get an earwax candle if you really look hard. Or if you're Shrek. But they all serve the same function. They all serve the same purpose, to bring light. It doesn't matter what shape, size, colour... It all is there for the same purpose, to bring light. And the only reason why you bring light to a situation is because there is too much darkness. And darkness is not the opposite of light. I had to learn this one. 
Darkness is the absence of light. When God created everything that we see around us in this, in this earth, when God created all of creation, he never created darkness. He created the light. And where... Sorry. He created the light and caused the darkness was already there. And if I light this candle, if it lights and burns for a while, not sets the alarm off, then we are awesome. In Genesis 1, 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface, surface of the deep. Now, this is a really important part. I need you to remember this for later down the track. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the water. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. Now, before we go any further, it's really important to understand that there was darkness that existed beforehand and the Holy Spirit moved or the Spirit of God was moving in that place of darkness. And God brought the light and the light was good. If you've ever, I'm going to be a little bit exposed to myself of what I have been through. So if you've ever been to a place of darkness, right? Well, you've ever been to a place where it's so dark, it's like pitch black. Fear is an easy thing to creep in. I went out to a place called Mitchell. It's about, hang on, let me get my bearings. It's about eight hours that way, right? And when you go out in the dark and it's, it's that far out and there's no artificial light, it's pitch black. You don't turn a light on, you can't see your hand in front of your face. right? Because there are no ambient light. There's nothing around you. It's pitch black. But I can remember as a child, I was sleeping in my room. Now, you may be able to relate and you may not, but this is just my story. Okay? And I remember sleeping in my room. I was like a little Todd. And I heard a noise. And it was a loud noise and I awoke. And there was just enough light in my room for the moon to cast shadows. And as I thought there, I was looking and looking at all the shadows and I got a little bit concerned and scared and fear came over me. And of course, you know, natural instinct for a child, blanket over the head. If I can't see it, I can't be afraid of it, right? And I was hoping that whatever was in the room, which was a shadow, would just go away and leave me alone. Or perhaps you do this too. I do it on rare occasions. I have no understanding where it comes from. But if you ever come out of a cinema watching a movie and all of a sudden you forget where you parked the car. Or was that just me? Oh, that's just me. Okay. Or if you ever woke up at night and you need to work out where you are. I had an experience another time when I was a little fella. I woke up in my room. I had no idea where I was. I got up and went to the door. And it was a wall. But I did learn that when I could find my way, was the easiest way was to turn on the light. Or well, if you go for that dreaded bathroom walk at night time, of course you turn on the light in the bathroom. You do what you need to do and then you turn off the light. And of course now you're blind. And you have to feel your way back to bed because it's pitch black. Now, right about now, you might think I'm a little bit nuts. 
I've got some weird tendencies and weird quirks and whatever, and that's okay. But I can guarantee you that I am a nut that's screwed on the right bolt. But it is amazing how the darkness can affect our sense of reality. How we can see things in the darkness that aren't actually there. Shadows and light, darkness. Things change when the light is more dominant. And things change when darkness is more dominant. The Holy Spirit moves in the darkness as well as in the light. But he moves in order to bring the light, to prepare the way for the light. In Psalms 23, famous passage, in verse 4 it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. You are with me, your rod and thy staff, they comfort me. It's first important to understand this, that shadows cannot exist without light. little torch. Obviously the room is a little bit too well lit, but there are shadows in this room. And the shadows exist because there is light coming from the opposite direction. If you've ever had that privilege or privilege with Mel and actually and I were walking the other day, we went for a walk together. It was a lovely walk. And as we were walking, Mel was talking about her shadow. <laughs> no, 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 not talking. She was... <laughs> She was talking to me about the shadow. Maybe I should have rephrased. That would have been really crazy if she was talking to a shadow and I was right next to her. But anyway. <laughs> that would have been a little bit concerning. But yes. And she was talking about how well or how good her shadow looked. But it was interesting because the shadow was cast because the sun was behind us, right? The sun comes from a direction. It pushes the shadow on the opposite. And if you've ever chased your shadow, you'll find you can never catch it. Or if you ever watch a new puppy, it's like uh, chase its shadow, it's quite funny. Or you get a laser and get a cat. Michael would never have done that one. You point the laser at the floor and the cat can never seem to get it. But it's important to understand that the shadow cannot exist without light. And the only way to cast a shadow is there needs to be a light source from the other way. But it's also interesting that light doesn't cast a shadow. Meaning that if I shine a light at a candle, the candle will cast a shadow, but the little fire on top of the candle will not actually cast a shadow. But even when there is no light, the Holy Spirit can bring comfort and can prepare the way for the light to come. And that passage of scripture talks about the valley of the shadow of death. Right? And valley, valleys are always between two mountains. You can't find a valley on a mountain. It's between two mountains. And when it's referring to the rod and the staff, it's talking about how to keep sheep on the path. A shepherd would have a rod and a staff. And they were used to guide the sheep and sometimes to clip the sheep to keep it on the right path, to walk in the right direction, to bring correction when the sheep wasn't doing what it's supposed to do. And even though we go through challenges, and we face challenges all the time, and if you haven't lately, you are blessed, but we face challenges all the time. 
And sometimes it's because of what we're looking at, the challenge is greater than what we actually are facing. Sometimes it's because there doesn't seem to be enough light in the darkness. But the Holy Spirit can actually bring hope and move in the darkest of situations and circumstances. This morning I spoke of those three young men, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Faced difficult circumstances before them, thrown into a furnace, and yet regardless of what took place, they still held to their belief. They still believed in the light in the darkness. Jesus said in John chapter 8, you remember this one? John chapter 8 verse 12? No. It says, And Jesus again spoke to them and saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. When we follow Jesus and his ways, when we bring Jesus into our lives, we bring light into it. And the more light that we bring in, the less darkness there is. And the less chance of shadows. If we lit this room up even more, we brought more lights in, there would be less shadows. And if you light even the simple concept of a chair from underneath as well as on top, from the right, left, front and back, there's very little chance of shadows. It just depends on how you light the situation. When we follow Jesus and his ways, when we bring Jesus into our lives, when we bring light into our lives, the more light, the less darkness. After Jesus was arrested, Peter, his disciple, followed him. And there's a couple of passages of scriptures that I'm going to read. And in Matthew 26, it says, Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him and said, You too were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you are talking about. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another servant girl saw him and said to those who were there with him, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied it with the oath, I do not know the man. And a little later the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Surely you too are one of them, for even the way you talk gives you away. And he began to curse and swear, I do not know the man, and immediately a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered what the word that Jesus had said, Before a rooster crows, you would deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. But it's really important that when you read a passage of Scripture, that you read the verses beforehand. And in Luke 22, 54, 55, on the same story, it says, Having arrested him, being Jesus, they led him away and brought him to the house of the high priest. But Peter was following at a distance. And after they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter was sitting among them. When Jesus was arrested, they, were taken to, they took him to the high priest's house. And Jesus, oh sorry, Peter followed him and they lit a fire in the courtyard. When Jesus was arrested, it was pitch black. It was dark. And that fire probably would have been the only thing that would have been burning at that point in time. Just a little bit of light. It was night and it was cold. 
The fire brought the only light in the room or in the place. But not enough to draw out all of the darkness. And just enough to cast enough shadows. Peter was recognized in the light of the fire. Enough to be asked who he was. But not enough to know exactly who he was. In Luke twenty-two fifty-six, it says, And the servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the firelight, looking intently at him, said, This man was with him too. There was enough light to see his face. There was enough light to recognize people, but not enough to dispel fear. The girl recognized Peter. She could see his face. But Peter could not remove the fear that came with it. Peter was called out three times to be a friend of Jesus. And three times he denied the fact. Three times hoping the darkness, the shadows, was enough for him not to be recognized. But it was enough for him to be recognized. It just wasn't enough to remove the fear that he had from the situation. If you've ever played peekaboo with a child, you will understand that in, the, that in their understanding of it, right? and I used to play with my kids all the time, peekaboo, right? if they cannot see you, you cannot see them. They will cover their eyes and think they are well hidden. When I first taught my kids how to play hide and go seek, they didn't quite get the concept. My kids would go hide in the corner, face the corner. You're not getting it. Because I can still see you. And sometimes when we think, oh, I, you can't see me properly. I'm dispelling the ability to recognize me. I'm, I'm hiding in a shadow. I wonder if we find safety in the darkness rather than in the shadows. When we go through challenging times, do we invite Jesus into our circumstances? Do we bring the light into our circumstances? Or do we learn to function in the shadows? Do we ever ask ourselves the question, how does Jesus want me to respond in this situation? What can I do to bring more of Jesus or more light into the situation? Peter chose not to bring the light in the situation. That was his choice. And he chose to deny Jesus three times. He chose to bring the darkness in or let the darkness overtake the situation. And by, de by denying his relationship, his connection with Christ, right, he refused the light at that point in time. He had walked with Jesus for three and a half years. He had seen the miracles. Everyone in the town recognized him. And when standing near a fire burning, they could see his face and they knew who he was. But he still denied it out of fear. Now we will never know what will have taken place if Peter actually had said, Yes, I'm one of the disciples. We will never know that. But have you ever thought about a situation in your own life when you're in a tight spot, when the challenges of life seemed overwhelming? Was there any light? 
Or did we let the shadows play havoc? Now, I understand the difference between letting the shadows play havoc and bringing light to the situation. Many a times we've faced difficult circumstances, right? And it's easy to allow the fear to come in and overrule and say, it's too big, I quit, I surrender, I want out. But it's also just as easy to say, God, I have no idea what to do right now. I need you. Jesus, come into the situation, bring forth an answer because I got no idea. Do we bring the light in or do we let the shadows play havoc? When I survived my accident, and I say it that way because that's how it was, I survived my accident. I survived hitting a tree at 90 to 100 kilometers an hour. I had to ask myself in the months following, would I survive my recovery? The mental concept of going through a difficult situation when the shadows or the fear can be surrounding you can be challenging. Today, we face a different pandemic. Not a virus, and we'll just leave that one aside, but a pandemic of mental illness, a pandemic of stress-related anxiety. When situations become bigger than what they should be, I'm not dispelling anxiety. I totally agree there is anxiety. But often it's because we allow the shadows to overwhelm us instead of bringing light in the situation. Did you bring the light? Do you shine the light? Do you invite the light? Do you continue in the darkness? Or do you let the, the shadows overwhelm you? Or you do, do you do as I did as a child? Become so overwhelmed with the fear of the shadows and cover your face and hope to they, they just disappear. Miracles happen around us all the time. And everyone wants a miracle. Gosh, wouldn't that be awesome? A miracle just takes place any second. Whenever you want it, a miracle takes place and just changes your life. Oh, I can't pay this bill. All of a sudden, a check in the mail. Oh, I don't feel well. All of a sudden, check in. Uh, not check, but you get healed. Perhaps you're after a miracle of healing that will take the pain and remove all your worries. Perhaps you need a miracle that will take the anxiety and the worries and the concerns of all the problems that you face. Or perhaps it's to remove the struggle of the situation that is before you. Maybe it's financial, maybe it's relational, maybe it's, I don't know, whatever else it could be. It's God's intention for the relationship that we have with Him to not remove the obstacle, but to teach, help, guide, strengthen you through the obstacle. There is always a way through it. And if you get afraid of it, you'll never find it. But it's through that brings the comfort. The more light I bring in the situation, the less I have to fear. The more light I bring, the less darkness there is and the less chance of shadows. The enemy will always play on our ignorance. 
And he will always draw fear from a situation from the shadows. Create something that's bigger than what there really is. It's the ignorance of the plans of God or the will of God in our situation that we question what is happening. Or we bring in that, you know, that dreaded word, why? And why will cast the greatest of shadows? Why me, God? Why? I didn't deserve this. But trust brings the light. My eyes are fixed no matter what happens in the shadows. But I'm telling you, don't focus on the shadows. What hides in the shadows is not worth seeing it anyway. Because if it's daring to hide in the shadows, you don't need to know about it. And you should never and I should never fear the shadows of our problems. A shadow only means that God's light is shining from a different direction in your situation. So we need to make sure that His shining his light in our lives where it needs to be. And when God is for you, I assure you there is no one, absolutely no one that can be against you. And I can assure you that God is for you, that God is definitely not against you. But what makes it feel like he is against us is because we are looking in the wrong direction or we are focusing on the very wrong thing that is before us. We focus too much times on the shadow rather than we should be looking at the light. When Mel and I were walking, Mel was looking at her shadow. She was talking to me looking at the shadow. And I'm going to use her as an example because she won't take it personal. And if she does, I'll probably hear about it later, but that'll be a different story, right? Sometimes it's better to repent than ask for permission. But anyway... But if she had stopped looking at the shadow and concentrated on the person she was walking with, the shadow would be irrelevant. But for the sake of this subject, she focused on the shadow. She focused on what the shadow looked like and, oh, that's what I want to be like. Of course, the shadow was a little bit taller than what she was and changed all dimensions and... No, I don't want the shadow. <laughs> yeah, we won't get in there. <laughs> but we can focus way too much on shadows. And shadows are all the things that we shouldn't be focusing on. When we should be really focusing on the light. Don't slide. This is not going to work for me. Candle's purpose is to bring light. But one, can, one single candle in a room this big, if we turned off all the lights, although it would bring off light, there would be a lot of shadows. But if I lit a whole bunch of candles, like if we lined this room with candles, it's a bit hard to imagine because we have this, all this artificial fancy light now. The shadows diminish. And the more light you bring in a situation, the more the shadows diminish. And the more light we bring in our lives, the less the shadows rule. Sometimes we can think that a single light or a single candle can't bring enough light into a situation. And so sometimes we, we blow it out. 
Right? And so we remove something because we don't see enough worth in it. We don't understand that, hang on, just that little bit of light can be giving enough for me to give or get direction. And because I'm so focused on, oh, it's not enough, or the shadows, oh, oh, I miss what is right in front of me. I'm not going to tell you that the last five and a half years have been easy. I've had to learn a lot. I've had to learn how to type with one hand. I've had to relearn how to write with one hand. I've had to learn how to do everything with one hand. This hand is worth a lot. Right? I can do a lot with one hand. And I've, I've had people ask me, oh, how did you do that? Well, it's simple, because I didn't have a choice. Right? I had to. But it's interesting how the brain can function, like how we can change, because I was right-handed. And I've had to change everything over to my left-hand side. But it's amazing how much we can adjust when we really want to. When we really want to. If there's a big enough need for us to really want to. Because most of the time what happens is we don't really want to, so therefore we quit. We don't really want to, so we don't really have to, so I don't think I will. There's times when my, my children want to do something, and I really don't want to. But I, I do. When my daughter, my daughter's funny, right? She's not a very touchy-feely person until she wants to be touchy-feely. And she'll come in and, she, and it's like, okay, you want a hug. You, you want a touch. You want to, you know, be close to me. Every other time it's mum, but there are times when she just wants to be close. So now I've got to stop what I'm doing and concentrate on her. And we can miss opportunities. And they happen all around us. Everything that happens around us is an opportunity. We can miss it. We can let it slip by. And even the darkest of situations can be just simple opportunities. And the last five and a half years have just been an opportunity. That's what it's been. And one day this will all make sense, I tell you. And one day this will actually be a blessing. That's what I'm holding on to. That's my faith level. I'm not there yet. I've got a little bit of way to go. But this will all make sense. Because what I'm doing is I'm trying to bring as much light as I can in. I'm trying to shine as much light in my life so I don't have shadows. Because I know what shadows can do. Shadows can be distracting and shadows can take you off the path of where you should be. And nothing hurts more than watching someone be led by a shadow rather than be led by a light. And there are so many stories in the Bible of where that takes place, where someone was led by a shadow rather than when they were led by the light. We're going to finish the meeting. I'm going to pray. I'll be down the front. If you want prayer, I'm here. We have an awesome morning tea and there's tea and coffee. And uh, I do challenge you to stay, catch up with each other, get to know each other. We have wonderful people in this place. There are some people that are struggling behind and find it difficult to come and find excuses or find reasons why not to be here. Um, but church is important because it's a community. And when you connect with other people, they become different light sources. But we're going to pray. 
Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you are light and that you are the brightest of whitest lights that there possibly is. And that no matter what we go through, you can always shine the brightest in our circumstances and our situation. That you can remove shadows. That you can shine in every different area you want to. But we have to want to. We have to want to let you shine in our lives. So Father, I ask that we would all want to shine you a little bit brighter in the darkest of areas of our lives or even the shadows of our lives. Father, I speak your mighty hand upon your people. That you would touch them this week, that you'd speak to them, you'd guide them, that you'd protect them, that you'd bring breakthrough. That your mighty hand would be upon your people. That you would increase in them, enlarge their territory, bring the breakthrough, Father. I speak your mighty hand upon your people, your blessings and your favor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.